So uh, I've been working on a story. Uh, you know, a lot of people a little pissed off at Bernie Sanders these days. Some people call him a sellout, a fraud, a coward. Listen, he's still a major figure in the progressive movement, whether you're mad at him or not. So I've been working on a story uh, about Bernie's campaign. Uh, what went wrong? Because there have been quite a lot of pieces out there. Uh, they call them campaign postmortems, uh, talking about what went wrong. And for the most part, the ones I've read, uh, knowing what I know and having traveled covering the campaign in 2016 and 2020, most of them kind of missed the forest for the trees, you know, that saying. Uh, one of them, you know, Michael Tracy, not even gonna get into that. It, it, let's just say it didn't tell the real story of what really went wrong. And if progressives are actually going to learn from mistakes and seize power, not just like be online, but actually seize power and take over. If progressives are gonna seize power, you gotta really know what went wrong. So that longer story is coming out next week. I've already spoke with over 12 uh, staffers that work for Bernie Sanders, some of them very high level. Most of them didn't want to go on the record, but they went on background, which is not quite on the record, but not off the record. It's kind of in the middle where you could use what they tell you, but not say who said it. Anyway, so while I was working on that story, uh, I stumbled upon uh, some, some other news about Bernie that I think is kind of instructive. It's probably going to make people kind of you know, go mad. And others might understand it. Who knows? All I can do is be the messenger and report what's going on, uh, and you guys can respond accordingly. I wrote this uh, a little bit earlier after I broke this story. Uh, this came from speaking with over a dozen uh, staffers with the campaign. So it has been reported that Bernie was not really proposing uh, or talking to Biden about who he should pick as vice president. What I found out is he has been talking to Biden about who, if Biden wins, which I think is a big if, as I've been describing, you can read along with us right there. Bernie has been recommending progressives that Biden should appoint to his cabinet and other key positions. This is what I got uh, from sources very high in Bernie world that I trust and would be in the position to know. Not gonna mention names because I don't wanna get them in trouble. So part of this is the method behind Bernie Sanders' madness, which many of you think is madness. And also, I've spoken with a lot of his staffers from his campaign that are, were very high level and frankly expressed to me a lot of frustration and disappointment with what Bernie is currently doing. So uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I'll read a little bit so you kind of get an idea and then we could kind of talk about it. So this is uh, what I've learned from my reporting. Um, Bernie, uh, as presumptive Democratic nominee, Joe Biden continues to run his campaign from his basement. He did come out recently to do an interview with Dana Bash, which was a giant softball, but what else is new? Uh, but status quo has learned Sanders has made recommendations to Biden on progressive figures he should consider for his cabinet and other key administration positions should he go on to defeat Trump in November. Some of the, recommend some of the recommendations Sanders has made are for progressive individuals that were appointed to policy task forces. The Biden campaign and Sanders campaign formed to craft policy proposals in the area of healthcare, the economy, climate change, criminal justice, reform, and education. We don't really need to go into the task forces. You know what they are. I think they're a joke, uh, but this is what Bernie has gotten for endorsing Biden. 
Some of the people, some of the members, some of the progressives on those task forces, Stephanie Kelton, economist and uh, you know, champion of modern monetary theory, uh, union activist and Amer uh, flight attendants, uh, Association President Sarah Nelson, uh, Heather Goutney, who was a senior advisor on policy to Sanders, uh, Abdul El Sayed, uh, who ran for Michigan governor, lost to Gretchen Whitmer in the primary. He's a Medicare for All active, uh, advocate and a CNN contributor. Um, Marielena Hincapi, sorry if I mispronounced, who is with the National Immigration Law Center. Uh, she, the National Immigration Law Center endorsed Bernie and Sunrise Movement co-founder Varshini Prakash, uh, who is one of the members. Of, so these are all people on the task forces, and uh, you also have AOC and Pramila Jayapal on those task forces. So one source I spoke to in Bernie World said to me, the task forces were constructed in a certain manner where the people on there are also seen as progressive champions who will distinguish themselves as people Biden should consider for his potential administration. The task force give progressives a quote, entry point goes the thinking to show Biden and his allies, allies how progressive leaders think and operate so that if Biden becomes president, he may view certain progressive individuals as worth choosing for key positions. When I asked this source, again, pretty high up in Bernie world, uh, has Biden signaled he's taking any of these recommendations seriously? It remains to be seen, I was told. Now, of course, uh, we'll get to the rest of the story in a bit. Of course, you know, frankly, you know, I've already said what I think about Bernie time and time again, but, you know, you think recommending progressives right now, you think he's actually going to take that seriously while he's on one line with you and the other line he's on with Lawrence Summers and Rahm Emanuel, new reporting out, not only is he getting advice from Larry Summers, Bill Clinton's Treasury Secretary, this doofus neoliberal Neanderthal that helped push NAFTA, that helped deregulate Wall Street, that never met, you know, does not want a wealth tax, uh, not for Medicare for all, doesn't think wealthy people are the problem. This is Larry Summers is advising Biden's campaign. Then you have Rahm Emanuel, who, I mean, besides the fact as Obama's uh, chief of staff, he helped kill even having a public option in Obamacare. But do I need to say anything more if you live in Chicago about Mayor Rahm Emanuel? 16 shots at a cover-up, Laquan McDonald, among other terrible things he did as mayor of Chicago. Uh, this is who Biden is getting advice from. He's not getting advice every day from Nina Turner. He's not getting advice every day from, you know, Roseanne DeMauro of the Nurses Union. He ain't getting advice every day from Bernie. Let's find out more about Bernie's thinking on this. Oh, this is actually uh, a for, uh, former staffer of his, uh, what they said to me about Bernie and the task forces. Quote, if they come out of these task forces and it really looks like he's not getting anything, I do think he will come out and be stronger and say, this is not good enough, this is not acceptable, and maybe we will see a little more fight in him, a former Sanders campaign staffer told Status Coup. I don't think he's missing an action. I think it's a wait and see kind of approach. Meanwhile, former staffers of Sanders' 2020 campaign expressed frustration that Sanders isn't doing more and taking more aggressive actions beyond the task forces amid the COVID-19 pandemic about to reach 100,000 dead Americans alongside economic devastation among working people. Quote, 
It's a real tragedy, a high-level campaign staffer told Status Coup about Sanders' choice to not activate his massive email list and existing organizing structure to organize a pressure campaign for more immediate relief along the lines of government-funded paycheck guarantees, like most European governments are doing, and other measures like organizing rent strikes. Although Sanders has introduced a bill for paycheck guarantees, he has not done a digital organizing campaign to pressure lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, similar to what he successfully, successfully did during pressure campaigns to get Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos to raise the minimum wage for workers to $15 an hour. This next part just blows my mind. Status quo is told that the Sanders campaign's Slack channel, you know what Slack is, it's kind of the internal uh, thing for cool kids from the 90s, like AOL chat rooms. Slack is like that. Uh, Bernie's campaign Slack channel had 70,000 active volunteers, not like passive people, 70,000 active volunteers, which is more members than the rapidly growing Democratic Socialists of America. Yet that Slack channel and other organizing structures that were part of the campaign have not been transferred over and put into use to push Republicans or Pelosi on bolder and more immediate economic relief at a time when 39 million Americans have filed for unemployment. A former high-level staffer said Bernie's organizing army could be leveraged right now to help progressive congressional candidates and vulnerable incumbents like Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib win re-election in a close race. Uh, this staffer said to me, if Rashida Tlaib loses by 900 votes after winning by 900 votes last time and Bernie didn't do anything to turn people out, I'm going to be pretty pissed off, one staffer told Status Quo. There might have been some expletives in there too. So let me, let me kind of break this down so you get what it means. So, you know, Bernie... Uh, and the, the longer, the broader story that I'm doing for next week, Bernie didn't actually have over a million volunteers. That was kind of a, not an intentional lie he told, but kind of part of what I've been, what has been explained to me by former staffers as kind of Bernie's magical thinking. So we'll, I'll explain that once that story breaks uh, next week. But once we break that story next week. But he certainly has the biggest organizing apparatus of any politician, period. Yes, people can't get together right now. The progressives are not like the loony, um, you know, Trump, you know, don't tread on me. I want to go maskless and, you know, get coronavirus people. But progressives, by and large, there can't be traditional organizing right now like we're used to. But most people are sitting at home. Most people are looking for guidance, looking for leadership, looking for something to get excited about, looking for something to be hopeful about. Bernie's got an email list in the hundreds of thousands. He's got a Slack channel, 70,000, again, bigger than Democratic Socialists of America. And his campaign has kind of shut all those things down, I'm told. So that is just enormous, enormous people power, organizing power that took many years to build up that's kind of been put on pause at a time when it could actually make a difference. That Slack channel, this email list, the people who were phone banking, they're all still, you know, Bernie World still has their contacts. They could be pressuring Democratic legislatures not to sign on. They could have been pressuring Democratic congressmen and senators not to sign on to the original coronavirus bailout. They could be organizing right now for things like rent strikes, 
for things like um, mortgage uh, cancellations, student loan, uh, massive student loan reduction, paycheck guarantees. So it's it's just kind of like such a waste. And I think that source that said it's a tragedy to basically not be using these things uh, because they could be effective right now. You know, at a time when so many, so many more people are home and uh, Bernie has this digital army that could be pumping these messages and demands through Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, you know, and then the media who's looking for things to cover could be picking it up it could be a major, major organizing effort, but he has chosen not to use it. Um, and you got to wonder why. And I think I'm going to get to the why uh, here. Another high level staffer for Sanders 2020 campaign said Bernie's refusal to organize and lead amid the coronavirus pandemic is hurting the progressive movement. Quote, it sets the movement back because for all the progress we've made coming into 2020, a lot of the things are a lot of the th things are going to fill that vacuum and a lot of those things will not be good. But a different staffer who is more inclined to give Sanders the benefit of the doubt said critics shouldn't underestimate that Sanders' long stated desire to defeat Donald Trump is making him more cautious than he normally would be in organizing against the Democratic Party. He's, quote, willing to see literally anyone but Donald Trump win this election. But former campaign st staffers don't seem to agree. In a recent interview, former campaign national press secretary Brianna Joy Gray told Status Quo that Biden should not feel like black people or progressives owe him their vote, stressing he is not yet the political, the, yet, not yet the official Democratic nominee. And, and Sanders' former digital communications director, Josh Miller Lewis, blasted Biden on Twitter today for his campaign's surface level outreach to millennial voters, which I covered yesterday. Josh wrote, this is embarrassing. We don't want virtual happy hours with young politicians. We want Medicare for all and a Green New Deal. These people learned absolutely nothing from the success of a 78-year-old senator with young people. Other staffers have pointed out that Sanders hasn't forcefully spoken out against the Democratic Party going along with the original coronavirus relief bill, by all measures, a $2 trillion bill that provided a massive corporate bailout while providing some decent measures like an additional $600 in unemployment benefits. One high-level Sanders campaign staffer compared Bernie's decision to vote for the bill and not fight to stop it to his decision in the early 1990s to vote for the crime bill, a bill whose mass incarceration provisions he opposed and warned against, but also had the violence against women's provision that compelled him to vote for it. The original corporate bailout bill, which once the 500 bill, which once the 500, uh, there's an editing thing there, I'll fix it later, uh, posed a moral conundrum for progressives like Sanders. Quote, you have things that are totally irresponsible coupled with things that are completely necessary and important, a source told Status Quo. It struck him emotionally deep down because he knows who his base was, working people across America, they're the ones getting screwed. So if you put something in front of him that says an extra $600 a week for each of them, he has to deliver for them. For frustrated progressives, Sanders campaign press aide and deputy Iowa State Director Bill Neidhart suggested progressives need to see the bigger picture, even if it pains them. Quote, this movement is about creating a country and a world that treats working people with respect and sees the downfall of incredibly powerful and moneyed corporate interests as a priority, Neidhart told Status Quo. Anyone engaged in that fight, anyone who holds true to that mission, must see what Bernie sees and see the incredible need to defeat Donald Trump. 
Anyone who is spending the second half of 2020 not working as hard as they can to defeat Trump is missing the forest for the trees. So I'm kind of torn on this because I do think there's a thing called nuance. I really do. And I also think I spoke with one uh, person who worked for Bernie in his campaign, you know, spoke with him quite a lot, has an idea about what he's dealing with now. And I think a lot of people don't realize because, you know, we build up our leaders. We all have kind of a hero complex or had a hero complex for Bernie. I think we all kind of forget. And again, this is not like me defending his inaction. This is me explaining uh, what I was told by some people who know him. Bernie Sanders is a human being. You know, he fought very hard to become president twice. He put everything he had into this. For a brief moment, he actually thought he was about to win the Democratic nomination. So when you're that close, when you're that close to victory, when your whole life you were basically an outsider, even when you were in Congress and in the Senate, you were on the outside looking in, when you're that close to like tasting victory and it's just, you know, the bottom falls out within 10 days, that's a really hard thing if you're a human being to recover from. I know people want to say, too bad, you know, we're in an economic depression, he needs to get his shit together. But he is a human being and it has taken him some time. There is a mix of burnout he wasn't just campaigning in 2015 and then took a break. Remember, he was barnstorming the country for several years between 2016 and 2020 with the Nissan workers in Mississippi in 2017, fighting to make sure Trump couldn't uh, repeal Obamacare, even though he wanted Medicare for all. This guy has been traveling and, and pushing Medicare for all and, and the movement in 2015 all the way through 2020. Not only is he burnt out, but he's also... Um, He's dealing with the defeat. So when you are emotionally uh, burnt out, disappointed from the loss, even if you want to be more aggressive against Biden, it's hard to shift yourself with those natural emotions that he's feeling to then like be leading the charge again in the corona during a coronavirus pandemic. You know, I understand that certain people with big platforms are not going to see it that way, aren't going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't necessarily give him the benefit of the doubt, but I do understand, yes, he's a human being, even though it's an important time right now, you know, he's entitled to collect himself slightly. He's entitled to lick his chops, you know, after a tough defeat. The other part of this that I don't give him the benefit of the doubt about at all is just this naivete. I mean, I think Bernie Sanders um, could have gotten a lot more. Yes, he said he was going to endorse Biden, but he could have strung it out a little bit longer. It was very early to endorse him in March. I think he could have gotten a lot more than task forces. And I think Bernie Sanders, you know, it was told to me that he is legitimately taking a wait and see approach with these task forces. And he views these task forces not only about the actual task forces, but as kind of, quote, the entry point into making the case to Biden that he should hire some of these individuals for his administration if Biden becomes president. But the bottom line is, I mean, Bernie, the guy's taking advice from Larry Summers. The guy's taking advice from Rahm Emanuel. The guy is doing virtual fundraisers all over the place with the same usual suspects. You know, actions speak louder than task forces. 
But the bottom line is, like, this is not, you know, Biden is doing these task forces not as, like, an apprentice program, not as, like, a, you know, a uh, trial period for these progressives. If they do a good job, maybe I'll appoint some of them to my administration. Lauren, you know, these progressives on this committee wouldn't be able to agree with Larry Summers and Rob, Rob Manuel on where to eat breakfast, much less economic and healthcare policy.